What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track, formerly known as Pave the Way Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and on this show, you are gonna learn exactly how to be successful as a real estate investor. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you've done dozens and dozens of deals. This is a podcast you're gonna be able to listen to that's gonna give you actionable, specific advice on how to be successful within real estate investing. I'm gonna interview top-notch real estate investors each and every week, and there's also gonna be some content that is just gonna be me telling you exactly about my journey and how I've went from a broke kid starting out to a million dollar real estate investor. So if you wanna learn how to be successful investing in real estate, this is the show to listen to, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at a high level. This is Greg Hellback, and welcome to this week's real estate investing lesson. And today I'm going to talk about subject to investing and what is a subject to deal? How do you do these things? When do they make sense? And uh, hopefully after this video, Jesus, if you guys are watching the YouTube video, my hair is all over the place. But what really matters is the content. So we're going to talk about subject to deals. Before I get into that, if you're not familiar with me, I've been a full-time real estate investor for over six years now. Let's see, 16, 17, 8, 9, 20, 1, 2, 3. Wow, almost eight years. I'm way off. I've been doing this for almost eight years now. It's crazy. It's 2015, I started 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, eight years. Anyway, I digress. That's not the point of this video. I've done well over 170 properties. I've done subject to deals, owner finance deals, cash deals, novations. I've done rentals. You name it, I've probably done it. So I have a lot of experience. So subject to investing. All that means because a lot of people throw this out, sub two, creative finance. And like all subject to means is that you're buying a property from a seller. And instead of getting a loan yourself to buy it, you're taking over the seller's existing loan subject to, which means that you're, you're taking the property over subject to the existing financing. So at closing, when you buy a subject to deal, the seller gives you the deed and then the mortgage never gets paid off. It stays on the property and then you make the payments after you buy it. So you're just basically assuming somebody's mortgage without doing a technical assumption. Because when you do a quote unquote assumption, you actually get on the loan through the bank and you got to get approved with a subject to deal. You don't do that. The bank doesn't know about it. So when does this make sense? There's really two scenarios where this makes sense. The first scenario is if the seller has equity and they're in foreclosure, and they don't want to lose their house. So I bought a property subject to this year, and it was exactly what I just said. The guy had equity. He was in pre-foreclosure, which is foreclosure basically. And he basically just didn't want the property anymore. And he needed to spend a lot of money to get it out of foreclosure, which he didn't have and I had. So basically I bought this property. We left his mortgage in place for a flip. So I wasn't planning to keep it long-term. So when I closed, the mortgage stayed in his name. All right, the mortgage stayed in his name. And then I took the property over. I paid up the mortgage. I didn't pay off the mortgage. I paid it up. So I got it current. I renovated the property and then I sold it. And then we paid off the mortgage after I sold it. So first scenario is if you're flipping a property and you want to almost use the subject to loan as like a hard money lender, basically, and then you got to make the payments until you sell it. The second way it makes sense, generally, this only really works when the seller is in foreclosure, because if they're not in foreclosure, I mean, there's not a lot of motivation to do this because they're going to take a risk because when you take their loan over, that stays in their name and that impacts their credit. So if you screw something up, their credit's going to get hit. A lot of the times their credit's not good anyway, but I digress. So the second way this would make sense is if you're buying a property, they're in foreclosure and the overall loan payment, which consists of principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and then probably another insurance policy was subject to because you got to double insure it, which is a different topic for a different day. If that payment is less than what you can rent it for, 
and you don't got to spend a ton of money catching it out of foreclosure, you can basically pick up rental properties without having to qualify from a bank. So in my opinion, and I've only done a few subject to deals, but I've done enough to be able to speak about it. The only time a subject to deal really makes sense when the seller's going to go for it is if they're in foreclosure, because they basically have no option. When you're dealing with somebody who has no equity, and the only other way this will work, actually, I take that back, another way this will work, but you got to be careful here, is if you have a property and the seller is basically either upside down or has like basically like break even equity. And if they were to sell the property conventionally with a real estate agent, they would have to bring money to closing. They might sometimes agree to do a subject to deal because that would require them to not have to spend any money to get the property out of their name. So that's the only other way that this thing really works because if somebody has equity and they're you know, not in foreclosure, they're probably not gonna give you their mortgage payment. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. But if they could sell the house through a realtor and, have to, and then they have to write a check for 20 grand because they don't have any equity to pay the commission, or they could sell it to you and they pay nothing and they get nothing, they might actually go for that too. But then in that case, you got to understand as an investor, I remember I say this all the time, just because you can buy a deal creatively doesn't mean it's a deal. So you're taking a property over essentially with no equity. So if something goes wrong with that property, you can't really sell it, right? You got to wait a long time to pay that loan down. So you really got to know what you're doing. That's the main takeaway I'm trying to give the listeners here is when you're doing a subject to deal, you really got to know what you're doing. You have to understand what your objective is with that property, whether you're flipping it short-term or whether you're renting it long-term. And you have to disclose to these sellers what you're doing because you know, if someone's keeping a mortgage in their name and they're giving you the deed, I mean, that can get a little hairy. You know, if something goes wrong, they need to know the downsides. You know, another thing that could happen, this doesn't happen often, is the bank could call the note, which means that the bank could find out that you took the property over. And most mortgages in America have this thing called the due on sale clause, which means that if a property transfers and the mortgage isn't paid off, they could call that mortgage due and then they could technically foreclose on you. So what would happen if you take a property over subject to, there's no equity and you get the due on sale clause called on you, you could really be up the creek and then you might have to write a check to sell that property before it goes to foreclosure. So the point is, I'm not trying to scare you away from doing these deals. You just really got to know what you're doing. You got to understand how it works with insurance, with with the downsides, with the upsides, you really got to understand how to do these deals. And I honestly don't recommend new investors who don't have money to do a subject to deal because there's a lot of risks that come into play. And if you get into a scenario with a subject to deal that goes south and you don't have the money to get out of that deal, not only are you going to be in trouble, but you're most importantly, you're putting that seller in trouble. Their credit could get ruined again or whatever the case is. The bank could come after them. So you really should not do this if you're new. And if you're going to do this, if you're new, I recommend you partner with somebody who really understands it because I think you're putting yourself and the seller at way too much risk. This is more of an advanced strategy when you have people who, you know, who really have more capital and experience. So that's the subject to deal in a nutshell. Yes, they can work. Are they as easy to do as the gurus say? Absolutely not. And a lot of the times I see subject to deals put out where people try to wholesale them and the deals just doesn't make any sense because yeah, it might be a sub two deal, but you got to spend 30 grand to get into the deal and it's just not really worth it. So take them with a grain of salt. Yes, use them if you know what you're doing, but that's the skinny on a subject to deal. Hopefully you got value from this. If you did, obviously leave me a review on the podcast uh, platform you're listening to, subscribe to my YouTube channel, like the video. And uh, if you're in Delaware, Reno, the Hudson Valley or California, San Diego, and you want to do a deal with me, whether you want to wholesale me a deal or do a wholesale deal together, send me an email, greg at velocityhousebuyers.com. I'll see everybody on the next video. Take care.
Thank you for listening to an episode of the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I hope you got a lot of value from this specific episode. And there are a few takeaways that you're able to gather from this to implement in your business so you can be a more successful real estate investor. So if you did get value from the show, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. That's how we keep growing the show and getting great guests is because people see the reviews. They see that we have a high quality show and they want to contribute as a guest. So that would be great. Also, if you got value, if you could share the show on social media, that would be great because that is how people see this besides the reviews. So once again, if you did get value, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes and share the show on social media, it would really mean a lot to me and I'll see you on the next episode.